It's Survivor's Friendly Fire Show, episode 195, for the end of March 2022. I am one of your co-hosts, Steve Wright, and joining me as always is my friend and yours, Ben Salter, and we've got an extra special guest this fortnight in the form of Matt Gosper, because it's February slash March, and we have just games to talk about and more games beyond that, so we're just going to do that pretty much like the last episode. Uh, if you want to listen to us, you, you probably already are, obviously, or maybe you're watching us, uh, you can hit us on your podcast player of choice by searching for Survivor. You can also get the video on demand on youtube.com slash Survivor. Or once this all maybe quiets down, you can probably catch us live streaming on Twitch every fortnight on a Thursday, uh, twitch.tv slash Survivor. That's all I had to say. We have so many things to talk about in an hour to do it. No banter. We'll do the banter mid-game. Uh, Matt, Ready. welcome. We're, we're coming in hot. Hello, how are you doing? And also, let's start talking about Stranger of Paradise Final, Final Fantasy Origins. What a name to start with. Did I even get it right? You did, uh, and you sounded just as confused as anyone playing that game should. Uh, so well done. Um, I have done my best to get all my swears out of my body before the recording because I know Haim and Luke got in trouble last time. So I've done all my hex and fricks, and now I'm ready swear. to talk about this freaking game, uh, Stranger of Paradise: Final Fantasy Origin. Uh, it is. Uh, I realized trying to explain this game to a friend the other night, uh, basically what it is, it's a Japanese studio's interpretation of the gruff white man in every American action film. So you just filter your diehard through the lens of Japan, and that's how you get a blonde man with a big sword and headphones who says bullshit to princesses. And a wife beater? Or is that one of the other ones? Someone no, has he a wife beater. He had an asymmetrical t-shirt to begin with. Uh, completely different. Uh, it's his black friend with the incredibly tweezed eyebrows who has the wife beater. Uh, only a Japanese person would design a giant beefy black man with drag queen eyebrows, but there you go. Well, you need yeah. those to fight chaos? That's all I, that's all I got from the... Well, from anything dealing like in revolving around this game, the the intro, the announcement, yeah. and like everything following, it's they're getting chaos, and it's, somehow it's tied to like every Final Fantasy ever, or no? Yes, uh, they're either fighting or finding or proving the existence of chaos, depending on which chapter of the story you're in. Uh, the game doesn't really seem to know what it's doing, but at the core, it's a vague retelling of the storyline of the original Final Fantasy game from way back in 1987, a year I only remembered because I was born at the same time. Uh, so essentially, Chaos is the big bad end villain of Final Fantasy 1. Uh, so you start off by going off to the castle where Garland, the first boss, is, and from there everything goes off the rails. Uh, they did explicitly say that they'd drawn inspiration from uh, famous, or in some cases infamous, dungeons from throughout the series for the inspiration of the locations in the game. So the volcano is instead the volcano from Final Fantasy VIII. The snowy mountain is instead the snowy mountain from Final Fantasy X, and so on and so on. Um, it's, it's a nice touch, uh, because it does give a lot more 
flavor. I'm sure it's easier to redesign a game from the PS2 era than it is from the original NES when the dungeon was about 256 pixels square. Uh, so it's it's fun for a romp, but the levels are terribly designed, which does present a little bit of a challenge for the gameplay. I have so many questions, and I don't know if I even want them answered. So it is it just inspired by like the entire franchise, or is it like the, is this some sort of weird like Square Enix attempt to do like a Marvel connected universe where like all of the Final Fantasies, which to my understanding were always kind of completely separate entities, or or like unless it's like X or X two, are are now mm-hmm. sort of like connected by this weird backstory that we didn't know of because this guy in an asymmetrical t-shirt is fighting chaos um so yeah the the final fantasy games themselves aren't interconnected it's more like a an overall heading for the series that generally there's going to be crystals and mages and all that kind of stuff uh in this one the way that they've couched it and i don't know how spoilery we want to get here but i'll try and keep it fairly light um the when you're loading into each level you know inspired by this that or the other game there's a little loading screen highlight that kind of is presented as notes from a developer of this world question mark uh saying that you know for this location which is the the volcano that has the fire crystal in it that controls all the heat on the planet was inspired by dimension eight so final fantasy eight um yeah and that's kind of how they excuse having just the greatest hits of locations where you go to the final dungeon from Final Fantasy VI, which was badly designed in its original incarnation, and they've stayed true to that, so I do respect the uh, the authenticity of the craft there. It's, yeah. Um, so you're going through the basic beats of the original game, you, you fight the four elemental fiends at the four elemental crystals, you beat up Garland, but also the guy you're playing as is called Jack Garland, so, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen there. Uh, and then some other stuff happens towards the end, which I won't spoil because that is actually a break from the original storyline for those who actually give a boot. Uh, yeah, it's in between you're hitting a lot of things with a big sword and smashing them and turning them into crystals, which I I will admit stays fun the whole time because essentially you, you knock them down, you stagger them, and then you can do a finisher, which charges up your magic. Uh, and they're just excessively violent You're grabbing a bat out of the air and smashing it into the ground. You're getting big worms by the face and kind of flinging them back and forth. The worst one is the horse enemies, which I mentioned in my review because it just, it upset me on a deep visceral level somehow where he gets the horse's neck around his arm and just snaps it and then throws the horse away, which I I realize he's like snapping open the jaws of wolves and stuff in between, but somehow the horse one just, was too disrespectful. <laughs> if they made glue out of the horse rather than just like casting it aside, maybe that's a different story. Um, that was a horrible joke. Uh, so you're you you are. I'm just gonna assume you're a Final Fantasy fan. Uh, you you are questioning the design decisions of games present and old. Like to not sound like a a, a young hip kid, but like what's good? What's good about? this game to maybe finish off uh, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins? Uh, I think 
Going into this game, you can't be looking for what Final Fantasy as an overall series is famous for, which is storyline, because you are not going to get it. Uh, what you should go in there is for the greatest hits nature of it. You want to go through and be like, oh, I remember this place. Like the, the one of the locations based on Final Fantasy XII. As I was playing through it, I was remembering that dungeon from Final Fantasy XII because it had these sliding walls that you have to fight so that they don't push you back down to the previous level. Things like that. So they've, they know enough about the, the franchise and then nice touches like enemies, like the boss enemies will strike the same pose as their original sprites from the first Final Fantasy game. It's those little nods that you're going to see if you've been in the franchise, but it, you're not missing anything if you're not part of the 20, the oh, 25 years of history at this point. Uh, essentially, yeah, it's mindless entertainment. You go in, you beat things up, you collect 600,000 pieces of loot that you will start off sort of slowly examining and saying, which ones look good together, which ones give me the right boost, but... I can guarantee by the seventh story level, you will just be hitting optimize equipment and moving on with your life. And then picking a level of equipment that you're going to start eliminating from and working down when you're dismantling stuff, because that's just what it is. The fact that there's not a mass dismantle button is a crime because I think between every story level, I had to destroy about 60, no joke items of equipment just to sort of free up my inventory and move on with my life. So, yeah, go into it expecting, like, something that you can just mindlessly play and probably not invest too much emotional energy into, and you're going to have a great time. Um, that, that's about it. There, there's co-op. You can play that if you want. You can beat up the same 12 enemies with all your friends. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's the end. The loot is such a good segue into what I've been playing. But before we do that, like, because, Ben, you're not going to talk for another at least five or ten minutes. How you doing? What's, what's going on? Uh, I've got to be honest with you, I've never even heard of this game, so I feel like I'm out of the loop here. Uh, I used to know all the games that are coming out. I used to be a paid games journalist, did you know? And I now, I, I thought this was like some old game from years ago, like I didn't even know there was a Final Fantasy out. I did know of Tiny Tina's Wacky Whatever Wildland. I didn't realize it had come out. I knew it was a thing. Uh, apparently it's coming out soon. So yeah, I'm out of the loop. I've been playing Mass Effect, so that's where I'm at. You're just a Mass Effect and Kirby shill, but we'll get to Kirby in a yeah, second. We're, we're going to stick with that segue that's completely like gone, but I'm just going to loop it, lasso it back and pull it back. Friendly fire show. Talk about a whole bunch yep. of loot that like is just over-encompassing and just, just hor horribly annoying and needing to be managed rather than enjoyed. Uh, I have played Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, uh, which is, it started off, I guess trying to summarize as a Borderlands 2 piece of DLC uh, tied to Dungeons and Dragons, which it's now its own kind of thing, finest, uh, fan, like, bleh, what am I trying to say? Fantasy-themed D&D uh, type of experience that basically just uses the same Borderlands mechanics. It also has the same Borderlands humor, uh, which I mm. wholeheartedly despise. Uh, I don't think uh, Borderlands is funny. I think it's juvenile and, and goes for like the lowest common denominator. And if you disagree, that's absolutely fine. I'm not trying to like disparage you. I'm just like, it's not for me. I don't find it funny. Um, as examples, like there's a unicorn called Butt Stallion and you go to like Buttland and like Buttvania and like, <laughs> like if I was six, I'd like think that was funny, but I, as a 40 year old, like why are we here uh so that i was struggling with 
Uh, Wonderlands has like a stellar voice cast. It's um, Ashley Birch, who's Alloy, Aloy, uh, and a whole bunch of other characters. Uh, she's uh, Tiny Tina reprising her role. There's also Wanda Sykes and Andy Samberg and Will Arnett as like the core group of people. Like, and they're all really, really good. Samberg's probably the the weakest link of the bunch. And I really like Will Arnett because he has this kind of, uh, he breaks, like, not Deadpool style, but he, like, breaks that fourth wall and he's very self-aware. Um, and, like, I likened it in my review to, it's such a nerdy thing to have likened it to, but, like, uh, Moriarty in Star Trek The Next Generation holodeck. Like, the holodeck is a fictional construct where everybody's just, like, light and photon and noise. But the the ones and zeros that made, like, Sherlock Holmes' nemesis... Like, they made him so smart that he realized that he was kind of, like, a construct in this game. And, like, that's basically the, the dragon lord who's who's the baddie. So that that is cool. Um, apart from that, it's just very Borderlands. The, the loot uh, is just it, everything. Just loot's dropping and falling and cascades around you. And, like, your inventory maxes out instantly. And then you're just basically, like, mousing over things on the ground like trying to figure out if there's enough green or red to like pick up and then you get cosmetics that don't have stats so you just have to go and like purge things if you decide you kind of want something it's just like too much to manage for me um and then when it comes to the gameplay loop itself playing solo because i didn't have a chance to play with other people uh it's it's just the same thing over and mm-hmm. over and over um, there's an overworld that kind of like you run through Final Fantasy style, but like the random encounters, it's more like, I guess, the, the new Pokemon Ar- Arceus or whatever, like they pop up and you can kind of see them running at you and you can run away. But like the camera is so poorly constructed that sometimes you just run into a dead end without realizing and then you have to fight this encounter, which could be one or two like kill rooms where you just have to beat enough bad guys until a progress bar goes from like zero to a hundred. And it's not fun it's just kind of tedious but then you get into like explorable places where like that's exactly the same situation you're going to find yourself in and it's just a lot of the same and if you had friends and you were kind of doing it as a group like i understand it would be a bit more enjoyable um but combined with like the loot management and this the the not funny humor to me like it's it's i get why people like the borderlands games and if that's for you then you're gonna love this one but it's like it's it's definitely not for me the shooting feels a little bit airy and lighty light compared to like the weight that you get in like a destiny 2 gun as a comparable example which also mm. has loot but which has like slower loot drops and you can kind of like get a chance to experience the loot that you're picking up and see if you like it or not before you like turf it where this is just like you're throwing things out left and right it's just like it's, it's too much for me so i don't know any questions i just talked and talked and talked about that one uh well i've never really been into borderlands but i don't know what you're seeing matt i'm seeing steve as like a blur of like artifacts over the top of his head so it's very funny seeing that talk at me uh i know you've got some fancy like new cabling in your house steve but it has not helped your internet connection to my house so oh, never can mind. you hear me okay uh, I can hear you perfectly fine. It's just your video, which has gone funny, which is kind of an odd way to... I can only get, like, the top of your head moving and the bottom of your head staying the same. So, well, uh, what a freaky way. You. It's good. It's basically, He's just yeah. matching the video quality to his, like, level of appreciation for the Borderlands franchise, which it's, I have played much, all yeah. of. So, I, I can oh, maybe so offer a, a little bit more. Mm, I've played all of them. I can agree to that. I Borderlands 3, I think... 
it's the same thing with any franchise that's been going for a while. Like, it can have the same ingredients, but if it's not evolving with the times, then that's a problem. And Borderlands 3 was more Borderlands, which isn't necessarily a good thing if that's all it is. It, it sounds like they've changed things up a little bit in Wonderlands. I was actually surprised to, to read that the layout seems to be more sort of combat arenas as opposed to a more open-worldy situation like the traditional Borderlands games. The overworld is kind of that open world, but obviously not because it's just like a hub connector to get mm. from mission to mission. Like once you get to main missions, it's more like open areas. But I was so sick of kill rooms that I was kind of just like bypassing all of the... And you, like I do it in Destiny now too, but it, it doesn't seem to matter as much in Destiny. Like you see the little objective marker at the end of like the entire map and you go, well, bugger this, I'm just going to run to that. I'm yeah. not going to worry about this fight or that fight or this fight or that fight. Um, but in doing that, I was realizing I kind of needed to kill all the things in between to level up because you get to the next mission and it has like a level, like not like a requirement. You can go and be under leveled, but if you're under leveled, mm. you basically just get stomped. So it's, it's a grind in a whole bunch of ways, I guess, to like get all the loot and figure out the loot. And it's a grind to have to do all the things so you actually level up enough. Or if you don't, then you just have to take on more side missions, which are samey and problematic. So I don't know. Like, yeah. If you it, wanted to play this little... for like four months, you'd be happy because like you'd just take it in bite-sized chunks, I guess. Yeah, it is a little bit of a shame because I do remember playing the, the original DLC for Borderlands 2 that this was based on, the Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. Yeah. I think. Which is now standalone, uh, which I think. They've now released it standalone, I think because they wanted to refresh people's memories on the, the whole thing. That was, that was a lot more fun because the, the whole thing with that was in the storyline of Borderlands 2, spoilers, who cares, one of the original four playable characters from Borderlands 1 dies as part of the story. And the whole DLC was basically Tiny Tina, who idolized this character Roland, trying to process the grief of his death. So the whole quest revolved around saving the character based on him from memory. So it, it was really great because it was her going through the stages of grief in the form of like a slightly more crass Dungeons and Dragons. The fact that that ingredient hasn't carried over in any way to this new game is a little bit of a shame because that's what pulled me through it because it was the final DLC from memory. So that was, you know, four DLCs deep on a game that's already a, a loot grinder uh, so if you're coming in and being exhausted from the base game, that's probably not a great sign. But that's okay, because we can just fully just leave this and go straight to a wholesome Nintendo game that doesn't have butt jokes. Well, it, may, it might have butt jokes for all I know, but Ben can tell us if Kirby and the Forgotten Land is full of butt stallions or not. It's definitely going to have vor jokes mm. once it releases, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't think Kirby has a butt. Like he eats a lot, but it's like a ball. So it all goes anyway. in. I guess it comes out the it comes out the front too. You just, um, you yeah, just... it's all. It's like a bird. It's just got with the one hole that deals with everything. Uh, well, we we touched on Kirby last time. The reason I've enjoyed it quite a lot is unlike I suspect those two games we just spoke about. Unlike everything else that seems to be out this year. So we started with what Pokemon Legends, then we had Elden Ring, uh, then we had Horizon. Uh, all these games that want a thousand hours of my time, which I cannot be bothered playing. I finished this game in five hours and it was a good five hours. Now, a lot of people will say that's not worth the money. It's excellent. Like, that's what I want. That's what I want. You could play it again. Like, a lot of the levels are, they want you to play it again to find the hidden stuff. So maybe it's a seven hour game. Uh, short and sweet. That's exactly what I wanted. The gist is basically Kirby's been around for 30 years, uh, created by the late Iwata, or at least he was involved in 
uh, making the original games. Um, and they never made the 3D one. So they attempted on the GameCube, but it got cancelled. And they've just done side-scroller, side-scroller, side-scroller. Uh, we've seen Zelda Mario, everyone else go 3D, and they just never tried with Kirby. Um, so it's technically not a Nintendo game. It's made by like their second-party developer who's never made anything for anyone else. So it is, but it isn't. Are they acquired yeah. now, or was that someone else that they just acquired? I don't remember. think so. Anyway, mm. doesn't matter. Nintendo don't really acquire. They're kind of letting Xbox and PlayStation acquire, and they're like, yeah, we've got like the people who only know how to make games for Switch because they're like years behind. So they're no, they're not going to go to anyone else. It's one of them. They've got some deal. There was like a, we'll give you Iwater as your future president if like you save us financially or something. I don't know. It's in his little book that came out recently. Um, but yes, fun game. If you want a quick read, read the preview because I was happier with that than the, re the review. It reads much better. It's quicker. Gives you the same gist. So that's my hot tape. Um, essentially what it is, is Super Mario 3D World 3D Land in Kirby design. So that was the Mario game where it kind of did a 2D level in a 3D world. So you still have to go A to B. You're trying to get to the end. It's quite restricted, uh, but you've, you've got the 3D camera. So um, that's actually quite a game changer for such a um, very simple, basic old school design which is in classic nintendo fashion we've done it for the first time years after we could have done it um but it's fun like it works quite well the abilities are nothing that you haven't seen before so if you've ever played a kirby game he basically sucks up enemies and he either gets their sword or he gets their fireball or he gets their ice ball or becomes a giant spike or whatever um and i would say it's like ratchet and clank in that regard that a lot of people think this is going to be a platformer but it's actually a combat game which is exactly the same thing with that. Most of your time is spent killing things, a little bit of platforming. Um, so that's probably where it is actually quite different to Mario and more like Crash Bandicoot in the way that you getting past and through enemies is the main thing you're doing. Finding which path to take when there's a couple of different ones is what makes it interesting and why you'd potentially play it again to find those little hidden things, which is very Donkey Kong in that you want to get all the hidden things. I don't know if you like me and if you miss one of those Kong letters, you just had it and you've got to go back to the start. Uh, so that's pretty much what it is. Very similar. Um, I think we're not allowed to say how many stages are in there. I had that in my review and I checked the the um, list of what's allowed. You can't say how many stages, but we can, can say how many worlds. There are six worlds and they each have a handful. How many fingers do you have? I don't know, of stages each. So that's how many stages are in it. How many, how many could I hold if I had one per finger? Uh, so, yes, essentially. Math. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so not a, not a great deal of content, but it's still fun. I, my point is basically, going back to the start, everything doesn't have to take forever. Uh, short little fun stages is still worthwhile. I get it if I was 12, which and being a kid's game essentially is probably its weakness in that uh, when you would play one game for like six months, this is probably not the one you want. Uh, funnily enough, as a much older man now playing this essentially kid's game, that's what I want, like short and sweet. So that's Kirby. Oh, man. I'm yeah, like... I... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, from the last Kirby game, uh, Planet Robobot on the 3DS, uh, it brought back the same memory of every Kirby game, which is, when I get to the end, I'm sad that it's over, which, yeah, is definitely better than getting to the end and saying, finally. So yeah. I appreciate that it's a short and sweet experience. I, I did want to ask, though, the thing they've been selling in a lot of the trailers is the ability to upgrade the, the traditional copy abilities. Does that actually change much? Because they look different, but I don't know how mm. differently it plays. Yeah, well, I suppose there's two sides to that. There's the upgrading the abilities, as you say, which you can do. So which one can be upgraded twice? 
Um, and then there's kind of the mouth mode ones, which were in load the trailers where he like sucks up a car. They're the ones that he kind of can't fully consume. So he like most, he's kind of like a snake. He kind of eats most of a car, but he realizes he's going to have to give it up eventually and spit it back out. And it does say spit. That's your command on the screen to like, okay, mm. I can't, that's how you know. I can't swallow that. They literally curb these two options. Uh, so it's like car, staircase, uh, like a pipe, construction pipe. Um, he like fills himself up like a water balloon and goes like full on Mario Sunshine or Splatoon, I guess for the kids, that's the more modern version of that. So that stuff actually doesn't make a huge difference. Like it's, it's all in the trailers, but it's pretty brief. Um, upgrading your abilities. If it was a harder game, it would make a difference. Like getting a bigger sword, a bigger hammer, more powerful fire. Great. But like the game doesn't get any harder. So it just kind of makes you get a little bit harder, but it's still a very easy game. So it's. It's kind of like a, it's a good structure that would make a difference. There is like a challenge mode at the end where I suppose it's useful in. But, you know, I've had enough by then. Like, I've already beaten all these bosses. Why do I want to beat them again? Um, that's not for me. It goes against the short and sweet. So, uh, yes is the answer. Like, when I pretty much just use fire in, like, the gun one and the sword and I kind of ignore the rest and I powered them up and, like, that's it kind of it funnels you to do that because you pick your favorites. They're the most powerful. Um, they're the ones you're going to stick with. It's nice to hear that they've given Kirby a gun. Really, adult this game up. Oh, when I say gun, it's like a ray. It's like a. It's called Ranger. So it's like shoots like little BB pellet things, and it powers up to shoot out like a Buzz Lightyear type of thing. So it's like a gun from Smash Brothers. <laughs> it goes pew pew and stuff. Or maybe not. But yeah, same idea. That is that is the weird thing. Like it's still Nintendo cutesy. You've got like a little laser gun, uh, but then you're in this like post-apocalyptic world where it's like. Still pretty cutesy enemies that you're killing, but there's just the odd sign of, like, civilization is dead. Like, that's a bit odd, but, you know, good on him. I think all Kirby games are like that. The segues just don't stop coming. They're coming in hot and fast and furious. Uh, So you mentioned, like, sort of a a post-apocalyptic world where everybody's gone. I'm I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. slowly weaving these threads. You also kind of, to me, explained, you know, Kirby's first foray into a 3D environment where maybe you know like it's it's a test bed and a start of of better sequels to come and that is how i would kind of explain the next game we're going to talk about uh ghostwire tokyo i feel like matt has better things to say about it so i'm going to let matt take this one away tango softworks not doing a resident evil game instead doing a first person tokyo game really how would you describe it i guess a tokyo game it's a genre it is it's, now. It's a place. <laughs> well, uh, an open world Japan map. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It it is a different beast. Um, I mean, having worked on the, the Resident Evil series and the Evil Within games, Shinji Mikami, the sort of driving force behind this new game, has done first person stuff before. Uh, despite the apparent reputation that Japan doesn't like developing first person games, which seems untrue. Uh, you're basically exploring around Tokyo that has just been messed up by Mr. Ghost, the the guy who made everyone go away with his bad fog. His menacing, uh, menacing fog. <laughs> his menacing fog, uh, which has letters and numbers in it when you walk up close to it, which literacy is scary, it's true. So you, you're sort of working your way through Tokyo, having just survived by the skin of your teeth, um, or rather the skin of the teeth of the guy that you're possessing. Um... And sort of expanding the amount of the city you can get to, you're, you're climbing or finding these Tori gates, uh, sort of the traditional Shinto red gates that anyone who's seen a photo of a Japan Shinto shrine will have seen. That's the shape. Yes, good job. Yeah. Uh, excellent visual for the podcast, Steve. You're welcome. Uh, 
And you use those to kind of expand the amount of the map. They're basically your, your viewpoints from uh, Assassin's Creed or any tower you've climbed in any Far Cry game, except they're actually unlocking the areas because essentially if you walk into the fog, you have about five seconds before you're done. Uh, so early on in the game, it is kind of fun to you know see a clump of spirits or a collectible or whatever just out of reach to kind of duck in, grab it, and then jump back. Uh, but it's it's pretty quick to kind of go through and expand these areas. Um, luckily, it's not just pushing you from story mission to story mission. You can explore a bit as you go before you get to the end of the game. And there is a lot of stuff to do uh, because it is an open world game. Uh, you have, what do you have? You have Jizo statues uh, to find, which upgrade your three different elemental finger gun abilities. Weaving. Um, which also those statues have a pretty sad history behind them. So read up about that in the menus. Uh, they are the guardian spirits of lost children and travelers. Uh, so I think I read something looking into these to make sure I didn't describe them wrong in my review and the coverage. Uh, they are the embodiment of spirits of children who have died. So that's mm. cool. Um, like anyway, technically they give... though, that's like all of Tokyo right now. Like it's devoid of people. They're all spirits. I guess maybe they can be saved. I haven't finished. I hope they can. But like, I'm kind of working on the, the premise that they're all just kind of dead. You're just like helping them like not be like lost spirits in the world. D like don't, yeah. don't finish that spoiler wise. But anyway. Yeah. So anyway, the, the dead kid statues give you more bullets. Um, <laughs> There are Tanuki to find, who are your sort of raccoon spirit things, based on an actual kind of dog from Japan, which I didn't realize. Based the on Japanese Mario. raccoon dog. Based okay. on Mario. Sorry, yeah. I misspoke. Um, they are sort of hidden as different objects all around the place. Um, so if you ever see a vending machine out of place or a teeny tiny Shinto shrine down an alleyway, probably say hey to it. Uh, then you've also got a bunch of different kinds of yokai, Japanese spirits, uh, that you can track down. Uh, in different ways. Some of them you've got to chase, some of them you've got to trap. All of them are weird from a Western perspective because the Japanese are so much more creative with their supernatural lore, it seems. Uh, ghost ladies who hide in drain pipes and killer headless teenagers, all this kind of stuff. It's right. Blubby doors, as an yes, example? Yes, uh, uh, I think. I've probably gotten that completely wrong. I just thought it was a yokai. I think I'm just calling everything a yokai. I'm probably wrong. Yeah. Those guys are great. They just Their whole job in life is just to hide doors um, to make trouble. Uh, so all of these spirits as well, they have a nice little description in the menus to kind of give you a bit of information. So it's not just, look, it's a, a fat doorman. You actually can read up to see where that comes from. Uh, so you're going around collecting all this stuff. You're doing side missions uh, to help people who are trapped between the, this life and the next all over Tokyo. Uh, you can climb up stuff. There's a lot more verticality to the game than I was expecting, because uh, I was expecting something that would keep you in tight little corridors moving through Tokyo, more like a, a Resident Evil type game. Uh, but yeah, like almost immediately, they're encouraging you to get up on the rooftops so you can dodge around enemies if you don't feel like it. And there's always stuff scattered on the roofs, like uh, ghost chips which give you health and a special boost for a little while. Um, there's dogs to pat and, and feed dog food, so they'll give you money the way dogs do. The cats don't do anything for you, which you, is on brand. You can't pet the cats. You, you, you try the first time, and then you're just like, nah. And then you just yeah. you never get the option again, which I thought was actually it sounds good. like real life. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's great. Like most of the time, he'll Akito will just wave at the the cat and then move on. You can't feed them. They don't want to give you anything. It's 
it's the representation the cats deserve. And they basically just say when you, cause you can read the minds of all the cats because literally like no, there's, there's spirits and stuff in the world, but like there's not, a, there was like, it's like the rapture. There's like a fog that's taken everyone away. It's like a buddy cop, but it's in the same body. Like you're you and you're also like this spiritual detective guy who's like represented by a black fog over one eye basically. And you're kind of having conversations with yourself and like, that's it. And like maybe the occasional spirit, but they're pretty like, disconnected from the world so you'd like literally can just read the minds of tanukis and dogs and cats and the the dogs are quite lovely and they're like they all have these like amazing characters and the cats are just like i'm grumpy or like i'm hungry but you can't feed the cat because the cats are just eternally grumpy it's cute that that stuff is cute uh yeah so um it, it is interesting because you basically never see another character like the only humanoids walking around tokyo are the bad guys uh, you, when you're sort of cashing in all of the souls that you've picked up at a payphone, uh, you get to sometimes talk to a guy who doesn't want to talk to you directly because he's a, a white guy who doesn't like direct communication. So representation for us like in the a, game. a classic Shinji game where you're walking around, you barely see anyone, and there's like one crazy guy in a trench coat being, welcome yeah. stranger. Like that's that's all these games. No one around. You don't even see him. No trench coat. He's just the, he, he records oh. his own voice and then plays it through a, a telephone where you save souls. And if you if you played the free visual novel ahead of time, you get to meet him, I guess, theoretically, but he still talks into a recorder and plays the recorder to you rather than like speak to you directly. Very quirky. Yeah. This character, Ed, he's one of the ones who's in the, the prelude uh, visual novel that they put out. Um, it, it is kind of an interesting choice, just a character quirk that's there for the sake of it, because he could just as easily talk to you, but he doesn't. Uh, he also makes a lot of reference to someone named Dale, uh, which it's never made clear who that is, if it's his friend, his son, his husband. The character doesn't appear in any of the databases, is not mentioned in the visual novel. Maybe there's a Dale's dale lc on the way that worked really well in my head like dale cooper uh, with a recording like twin Peaks style it's probably just a reference the the weird thing you you've been playing in the english dub and i was yeah. i'm playing in the way that the, the menus are like arranged so like every voiceover is japanese and you get english subtitles but even ed who is like from the pre or the prelude prequel whatever it is like decidedly a white dude has like just perfect well as far as i can tell i don't know just like perfect japanese i thought maybe he was like recording himself because he was like unsure of like getting it right but he just sounds like every other character so like i don't know if he was like stumbling over words or something or like you could kind of tell it was an edit where he like had a second pass at like a certain bit of the freight like i don't know that Sorry to cut you off because I keep doing that. That's no. how it, that's how this podcast works. Um, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that like you really like Ghostwire Tokyo, and I like it mm. less, but I still like it. And it's kind of because of those small little details. Like there's there's so much more room to to have given the game character, and you're like, oh, if you go and read the menus, you'll find out more about the Japanese culture. It's like I just feel like if they had more time, they could have put a lot of those quirky things that are in like a text dump, like in the side quest proper like it's it's a good starting point and i hope if they do another one like they there there's lessons learned to make it more of an engaging experience because it is really good the characters are really good i really like the the start of combat i like how everything's kind of set up but like it's it's feeling a little bit by the numbers to me but that said, I haven't finished it so like there's probably stuff that i haven't experienced that'll like kind of progress it through as it goes but 
with all the stuff that's coming out, I'm kind of like, I'm not in a rush to get back to it. I'm still going to, I like it, but I'm not like as engrossed, but also I can understand the people that are engrossed in it. Same kind of thing, I guess, is Tiny Tina. Like the, the, all these things are like scratching certain itches for certain people. Yeah. I mean, being an open world game, I can understand the, the developer's desire to kind of keep the pace moving. Uh, you want to be able to go from thing to thing to thing and just have a database. I mean, Assassin's Creed does it as well. Uh, it's it's a pretty stock standard thing. But yeah, given that there's no people to talk to throughout the entire game, it, it would be nice to have a little bit more folded in there. That said, the, the banter between Akito and KK is great. They're always poking fun at each other and stuff like that, um, especially as the game progresses and they kind of stop working at odds with each other there's a lot of moments early on where kk will be like no we need to go this way and literally take possession of one of akito's legs to hold it in place so that he can't go do what he wants um i I was disappointed that even though he is typically represented by sort of the right hand with a glowy black cloud over it they never do a uh, map 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 talking puppet (laughs) hand i feel like that's a missed opportunity uh and feels like a very weird japanese thing to do uh but yeah, I mean, if they are moving towards a sequel, that would be great because there's there's so much love put into this game. Even just things like how fun and cool it looks like when you're doing all these hand signs. Like the, the wind sp- uh, skill, which is your sort of pistol, it's very kind of cool. He's just doing finger guns, literally. Uh, and all the, the finishing seals are very kind of like Naruto Jutsu uh, to the point where if you beat one of the, the tougher enemies... Uh, once the combat encounter's over, he just kind of does a, yeah, the, the <laughs> Japanese equivalent of kind of throwing up the horns. Uh, so, yeah, there's clearly a lot of style and the substance is maybe just the bit that's missing a little in the yeah. open world. For me, it's mostly okay. there. Like, the way that the combat works, there's, like, three different colors of power. Mm. And one's, like, your your normal shot. One's, like, a shotgun. And one's, like, it can be, like, a sniper rifle or, like, a charged kind of, like, grenade, depending on how you do it. And then you have a bow, which, like, the basic, the way that I'm playing combat right now is I like find a group of enemies and I basically just back up and just like cycle through all of the elements that I have until yeah. I'm like resorting to the bow because it's the only thing I have. And then you got to go and find like a glowing trash can and punch it to get more ammo. Um, it's kind of just like you just dump through all your ammo and then you're like, okay, now what do I got to do next? And that like I, it's a good base, but like if they had enemies maybe where you could like oh, well, these ones, like, you need the green for, and these ones you need the red for, and these ones you need the the blue for, like, to try to, like, mix up how you're strategizing a scenario. And maybe just, like, either it's on a cooldown or, like, you slowly rebuild ammo or something. There's just, like, it's, like, it's close for me, but it's, like, not, there's, there's, like, kind of hard stops where it's just like, ugh, okay, again, I forgot. But, like, you have to keep shooting at these people, so you can't not shoot. But then you gotta, like, stop because you literally have no ammo and, like, find something to replenish. I don't know, it's just, like, it's kind of disjointed uh, combat for me. It is a little bit troubling with the, the ammo amounts. Like, if you're not hunting down these kid statues to get, like, a pittance of extra ammo, it is pretty tough. You, you'll run out of ammo of everything, regardless of whether you're a terrible shot like me or not. Uh, because the pool is just so little. I think when you start the game, you have maybe 30 shots of your pistol, and most enemies will take five or six shots minimum at that point, uh, if you're actually hitting them to begin with. Uh, they have a, like a touch of expanding the skills to work better for enemies. The 
there's big fat guys with umbrellas. They'll use them to deflect all of your weaving skills, but you can upgrade the the fire skill. You sort of grenade lord a launch a sniper rifle to blast through it. But that is a ways into the game before you get up to that upgrade as it is. So it, yeah, it could be a bit more. There's also the talismans, which I kept forgetting were in there. Uh, we can sort of stun enemies or create an extra hiding spot or distract them, but nothing offensive. So if the problem is running out of ammo, they're not really going to help you much. You can slow them down when you go and find a trash can to punch. Um, exactly. Like, I, I think you wholeheartedly uh, recommend it. I pretty much do, if, especially if you are a fan of Japan, like, and like controversial and like, I don't even like, I'm going to say it, but I probably, I know I shouldn't, but like in a year from now when this, you know, is potentially free on Xbox Game Pass, if you have the means to just play it, like I would absolutely recommend it because it's free if you have that system and it's worth a shot like you're gonna either find an itch that's scratched or not um let's quickly move on uh ben i've watched a couple you've watched some uh i don't know if matt Mm. has but we've anyone can now the first episode of the halo tv series is out on paramount plus uh, I've watched most of the second episode. My internet just like decided it wouldn't play like the last five minutes. Uh, I don't know how far you got in the series. I watched the first episode. This is the one that you can watch now. So is this a weekly release? They're not yes. going to do like a here's... Uh, oh, weekday, weekdays. Weekly at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight on a Thursday, which I guess next week is 7 p.m. and then it switches to 6 uh, p.m. because we're out of daylight savings time. We're back to standard. Okay. So, uh, We episodes. actually have some useful advice for the listener, which is that you can get 30 days, I think, free with Game Pass now for Paramount+. Plus. So if there are nine episodes, I would suggest doing what I'm going to do and wait at least four to five weeks to sign up so you can get all of them without having to pay a cent uh, because I'm not getting another streaming service. I can't do it. You've made a wrong decision going with yet another one, um, Xbox. You should have gone with one of the three that I have. So you should have gone with Stan. Like, see, I don't like, even have that If anymore. you like sci-fi, <laughs> you probably have Paramount Plus for Star Trek, and now yeah. you have Halo on top of it. Isn't Maybe. that on Amazon? Like, it's too confusing. Oh, too yeah. Many things. It's, I'm yeah, not it's, it's, one. it's convoluted. The new, the strange new worlds is, anyway, who cares? No one cares about Let's me. stay on, let's stay Halo. on Halo. Super um, violent. Super, I thought it was pretty yeah. good. So initial thoughts is um, I was surprised at how much it looked like the game. Like, so often, if we use Uncharted, the movie, as a recently come out, it looks like nothing like the game. They've gone totally different characterization. Um, and I get that. Like, they've gone for a different crowd, and I'm sure that movie would do very well. And I kind of thought Halo would do similar in that they would, especially when they announced that Chief is going to be taken off his mask and he's going to have a different voice and he's going to be an actual more of a character, um, which it, I thought, that's going to suck because this is a guy who shouldn't take off his mask. That's not his thing. Or his helmet, I should say. Mask is what we all wear every day. Helmet is what the Chief wears. Um, but it, it worked like the, as, as soon as I got, got over his odd voice, which doesn't sound right. I was over it within like two minutes. And then, um, when he took off the helmet, I was kind of, again, it didn't quite look right, but I was over it like pretty much straight away. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, each time there's a new bond, you understand that this is a different version of the character. And that's what I've kind of accepted. This is a different version of master chief. Uh, the Sean Connery version is probably still Halo three game chief, but this is pretty close. Like this is your Daniel Craig still good. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was surprised at how much even like the weapons look like the game. Like that's where I kind of thought they'd be like, eh, let's just go with like a laser pistol. That's close enough, but they're like spot on. So, um, I think that's pretty much all 343 did in terms of their involvement. They just kind of said, here are our designs. This is what yeah. it should look like. Here's and the they, 3D model they followed the chief. it. Make the armor look exactly like that, which is good. And it does. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so playing the games, like all you ever really hear is UNSC and Chief, basically, and they're shouting at everyone, and you kind of don't get the feel that there are other people in the world very often at all, if at all. Like, I'm sure they're, they're around at some point, but you pretty much, it's like Halo Infinite's pretty barren, right? Like, you're kind of moving around, and you see occasionally, like, some other soldiers who want your help. Like, not civilians, not real people. So I think smart to start with here are just some actual people who are like devastated by this war and they're not on either side yet i don't think that's a spoiler because it's happening in the first like two minutes yeah um and it kind of introduces you to what's happening through those people's eyes so i think that's a smart way to do it to get people who are not halo fans potentially invested in watching it because you have some real characters because let's face it when you're playing a first person shooter um you don't know much about that character because you're behind them the whole time and, like, I've played so many, like, Troy Baker, Nolan North games where I've been like, is that my guy? Is that the guy I'm playing as? Is that Troy? Uh, and I don't even know sometimes because, like, they just show you briefly in a cutscene. And the Chief got around that by being this, like, iconic figure, and you know that's your guy. Um, but most of Halo is told through, like, Cortana. Like, it's it's minimal on Chief. So I think they've done a great job of getting that story across without diluting any of the existing look and style of Halo. Yeah, there's, like, so... All of Bungie's original games, like the Chief was basically a silent protagonist, basically, and you were you were meant to fill mm. that character. And then when mm. 343 kind of took it on, you started to see this shift away from that and, and Chief became more of a personality. And I think that's kind of just like Microsoft and 343 and kind of Bungie kind of thinking about what they've done and what where they needed to go and kind of deciding like we can't keep this up. Like, we need to, the chief needs to be a person. So, like, th this is completely unrelated to those games. Like, they share the same names and the same general yeah. setup. But, like, they, they're they're employing lessons learned and going back in time. And, like, I'm a huge, I love the lore of, like, sci-fi kind of things. And I've read, you know, like, The Fall of Reach and stuff. Like, which is decidedly different from, like, playing Halo Reach. There's, there's so much extra stuff. And... Um, it's it's not it's not a retelling of the video games. It's its own thing. Absolutely, one hundred percent guaranteed. And that's fine. Like, not oh, a fact-based show, but I would I would say like eighty to ninety percent of people, random number I picked out of Halo players, probably don't really understand the lore. They probably couldn't explain the overarching story of the games to you because who cares? It's a first-person shooter. Like, so I don't think it matters. I think a lot of people will watch this and not really know the story beyond Master Chief is the guy. Well, and it's a it's a it's a series of games where like you're the hero, you're the savior, you're all these things, and like you 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 fight the aliens, and the aliens are bad, and ooh aliens. And if you if you read some of the books, there's kind of this thing before, like where there's this you know like the UNSC is is supposed to be this you know force for good, but not every human believes in that. And before the threat of aliens, like we we had aliens amongst humanity, like there was two factions, like oh they're not us, they we have to fight them, and like that this series episode two especially leans into this, and I'm not going to get into spoilers, but like it kind of it doesn't just assume that you know the UNSC are the good guys, like there's all this conflict and tension amongst different factions. It's like I can see that being a really good source of drama for a while to come and like if you sort of know the overarching story of halo you can kind of see where sort of things are going but then there's like this a complete bloody curveball that gets thrown in um at near the end of the first episode ben um with the cov like something to do with the covenant uh, that's all i'm gonna say where you're like ooh, like that is i have no idea what that's about and i can't wait to see what's happening there so like, there's all these kind of things that they're seeding in um it's weird seeing the chief without his helmet off 
but also like I can't imagine this just being like a show about a robot. I don't watch The Mandalorian. I'm assuming they've kind of tried to have to work around that constraint as well. Like it just doesn't make sense. Like this, I'm just always gonna leave this armor on for even when I'm like sitting here doing nothing. I don't. They do a couple, a couple in the first episode. I don't think they do in the second like first person shots through the helmet like doom movie style yeah. and it's like please never please never do that again so like they're sort of kind of getting out of like the the tropey stuff and like by the second episode it's a little bit slower but i a lot of people said the second episode was worse but i'm enjoying that from what i've seen i haven't seen it all i'm enjoying it more than the first because like the first was set up and this one's kind of delving into like the consequences so i think it's good yeah so- Wait, we did you say that they've already shown Master Chief's face? In the first yeah. episode. First episode they show it. Okay, that's a surprise. I expected that to be like a last five minutes of the final episode thing. So that's pretty interesting. And I thought it was like oh. a different Pablo someone. I thought it was like a Pablo someone who was in Star Wars. Like I just had this complete different person in my brain. So when he took off the helmet, I'm like, did he get plastic surgery or something? Like what? That's not the guy. He's like he's a giant hulk of a man. I don't know if they've done something in CGI, but like he looks like he's like eight feet tall, and he's like just built like I, a brick house. They've found a guy with a face who does look very Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty like generic <laughs> hero man. Like he, he he doesn't look current. If they were making a, a Master Chief character in game now, that wouldn't be his design. But it would have been fifteen years ago. <laughs> well, so they, they had to save it. on actor polygon, so they had more for the armor. And there's yeah. a couple extra Spartans who have who who do the same thing, like they have their helmets off. And I guess, but that's been the, the case in Halo for a while now. All the other Spartans can take off their helmet. That's fine, but like not not John, not the Master Chief. Like there's no way he can. Um, the, probably the standout character so far for me is uh, whoever plays Doctor uh, Halsey. She's phenomenal. Like she's just great. Like yeah, I was trying the whole time watching it. I was trying to figure out who that is because I've seen her in like a bunch of stuff or English at least something woman. before. I don't know. But she's great. Is she actually English or is she putting on oh, the accent? Oh, she's English accent. trying to figure that out. Um, and I think she's anyway. kind of like meant to be, well, like, like, because Cortana is related to Dr. Halsey. I think like they've used kind of her face for Cortana, but it's uh, Jen Taylor who does the voice of Cortana in the games as her voice. I'm glad they didn't like have Hulk guy that I was talking. He's Canadian. I don't know his name. Pablo someone. Uh, I'm glad they didn't do like steve downs the voice of master chief in the games is like his voice in the suit or something like i'm just glad they didn't go to that length but they didn't darth vader it basically and dub over him with a he's a cooler voice it wouldn't have really fit no (laughs) yes they do some weird like modulation to the spartan's voice that they don't need like like whatever that's what it is like they just have some sort of weird speaker system that can't just like project their own voice it has to be like sort of robotic yeah. maybe they just have their hand in front of their mouth while they talk it's good it's on it's yeah. on paramount plus uh you can eventually like ben send get like 30 days access to binge it if you want when the first season comes out uh nine mm. weeks from now that's how many episodes are there uh so enjoy that the quick fire we're not like we're almost this is almost the hour so like the news is is turfed at this point uh ben maybe matt do you want to talk about tunic quick or have you I played can't because I haven't touched it yet. <laughs> played it very briefly. I think it's a fun. It's a little like it's a Link to the Past style dungeon crawler, basically. So yeah, fun. A little bit brutal sometimes. Like it mm. destroys you now and again. It's it's kind of cutesy. You're a little fox basically, and you you get through a little bit, and then something just destroys you. So it's it's got some challenge to it. 
Um, but yeah, another classic Game Pass game, worth a try. Uh, hasn't hooked me though, I'm not sure that I'll finish it. I, I kind of like it, but I played it the first day and then I let it go until today, I think. And I'm just like, I don't... It's it's like Death's Door. It's like, I don't know where I am. I, I mm. need probably 20 minutes to figure out what the heck I was doing. And then I just went... I'll try to get killed by the last couple bosses in Elden Ring instead, because I've hit a wall, and I'm like 80 hours, I've got four bosses left, and I don't have high hopes for myself. Um, so if you're going to play it, just play it in one, or a couple sittings, and just make sure you're familiar with what you're doing. Uh, I played Shredders, which is a snowboarding game, which is like super good, it's by a whole bunch of indie, de- uh, not a whole bunch of indie developers, well, I guess individual developers within a studio uh it's on game pass it's super good it's just like it knows what it can do it's not going to be ssx they don't have the budget so they kind of make fun of the fact that they have the voices of these pros in the game who clearly were recording their lines in like a closet during the pandemic and they're just like "Eh." and they have everybody in like just full goggles and like face masks so it's like they don't look like they're supposed to because we can't afford to do it like it's i just i like the humor it's a it's a decent humor not like tiny tina tiny tiny teen wonderlands um and it's just fun like it's it's very trick centric sometimes the physics go a little bit wonky but like most of the time it's 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 pretty enjoyable and it's like if i needed a 20 minute break from something i'd just go and pull off spins uh i've also played tpl2 trivial pursuit live 2 which if you were in the pandemic and Mm. you had access to trivial pursuit live 1 i know you did ben it's just it's more of the same it's super enjoyable so matt and i will just like kill a half an hour uh trying to make each other feel stupid uh if we can best them in a trivia game so it's i think it's like 30 bucks it's pretty good if you are yeah i'll play so it. inclined uh do you want to Winners f- on sale. yes do you want to finish off with some uh grand theft auto yeah gta 5 the third uh, i actually did play it so i think for the 15 bucks on playstation it's yeah. worth it if you haven't played it before or you played it on like ps3 360 and played it again i think that's definitely worth it don't think it's worth the 30 bucks on xbox if you already played it last gen very annoying that it's a double the cost there um but yeah so when i first played it i thought oh, it looks like gta but there's like so you have to go into your old save file load up your save to rockstar social club whatever then you download it in the new version um, the good part about doing that really annoying thing is you can put it onto any platform. So I uploaded my Xbox One save and I'm playing that on PS5, which I think is pretty good. Not many games let you do that. Trophies. Um, all the trophies unlocked. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I went back just to make sure I didn't accidentally lose my save on the Xbox version in case I want to upload it again somewhere. It's still there, but it made me look at the game again on Xbox One, running on a Series X, so I think it's upscaled to something. Um, and it looks terrible. Like, it's it's actually quite a meaningful upgrade. It looks way better. Running in 60 frames with ray tracing makes it look a lot better. It's an old game. Like, it's it's old, but it looks way better than it did before. If you haven't played it, I think it's worthwhile. And while I do think it should have been a free upgrade if you own it, um, at least they're saying you can buy it for 15 bucks, even if you don't own it. So um, I, think, I think it's fine in the end. I just wish it was that on both platforms. But yes, if you want to play the story again, this is definitely the version to play. I got so confused. Yeah, actually, no, go. You go. I, I jumped into it just briefly today as well because $15, yeah, is a pittance. Go for it. Uh, I haven't touched it since the PS3 version, though I did buy the PS4 version, play it for half an hour, and then stop. I did try and yeah. transfer my save. It insisted I need to agree to some new version of the terms and conditions, which it would not tell me how to get to beyond go to Rockstar Social Club. Couldn't do that, so I just started over. And yeah, like for a game that is, God, how old? 2013 it came out. Yeah. 
so much. Uh, it looks good. I, I I played enough to get up to that scene with Franklin and his friend, the the iconic scene outside of his house with that word that none of us have enough melanin to repeat. Correct. Uh, and yeah, like there's just enough polish to to call it an okay now game, but for something that is two generations ago, it's looking mm. pretty good. I'm annoyed yeah. that like I got two codes from Rockstar. I didn't pay fifteen dollars. I'm playing it on Xbox. Um, but like I downloaded the two codes, and like I have, I I'll fully admit that I have zero interest in Rockstar or in well, I have interest in Rockstar, not in Grand Theft Auto Online. So I had the code for Grand Theft Auto Online and the code for Story Mode of GTA Five, and I downloaded like put in both the codes, and I went to download the game, and I only saw it online, and I went, well, I don't want to download that i just want the story mode you have to download online which then gives you access to Mm. story mode which is just embedded within the title which is weird on its own because that's just kind of like pushing you towards online and potentially towards microtransactions i don't i don't like that it's the same on playstation except the tile the game that you're playing is called gta 5 it's not called gta online online. you go into that for me. It's online or story. I, so I don't know what's going on in Xbox. But when you get um, into the, no one else... the main menu, it's GTA Online first. And yeah, then kind of the story is between the ones. Yeah. yeah. No so... one else will have that problem because no one's getting two free codes. He's going to go buy this game. So that's literally yeah. only you with that issue. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, but like playing it, it's it's it, and it starts off in not performance RT mode, which you should absolutely go into the menus and put it into mm. performance RT mode. Because I, I there's yes. good the good thing you were talking about all those opening scenes. I've recorded like a three minute video which just compares the Xbox One version of GTA five to the GTA five Xbox Series X performance RT version. And like you can see the difference. It is from twenty thirteen, so like when it comes to like motion capture, it's kind of like that like endearing like rock star clunk. Like it's close enough, but, but they're like, less clunky. Yeah, like in sixty frames. Oh yeah, like it's <laughs> not it's not bad, but you can tell it was the like some things are from twenty thirteen. You can't really like you can make them look prettier, but you yeah. can't like redo them. Um, but like colors, the lighting, like it's it's an actual like noticeable enhancement between old and new. So um, if you're a huge fan, if you want to spend fifteen bucks and just like copy all your trophies or your achievements over, if you just want to play it again because it's been so long, because this game like just literally won't die, you absolutely can yep well uh, gta online i think is like the most insanely profitable online game that's ever existed it's made some ridiculous amount of money so i i'm sure we will see it for many many years to come until even skyrim has said yeah that's enough <laughs> oh god um we're not doing any news we have so much time probably in the next couple of months that we can just do be- we can backdate some news and get back into that but ben because you got mm. so upset last time this Fortnite in delays. Yes. We have, what do we got? Uh, EA Sports PGA Tour has been delayed from uh, beyond quarter two 2022 into fully 2023. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Still never Moving seen on. any gameplay or anything about this. It has a whole bunch of licensed properties. It has the LPGA, which is the ladies' professional golf. So that's not even the right acronym. Whatever, you know what I mean? I was going to say, that's pretty insulting for an acronym. LPGA. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's the PGA whoop with ladies at the start of it. It really is ladies. Um, and Rock Studies uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been delayed into 2023, confirming uh, previous rumors from like February. So uh, Sefton Hill just 
didn't really say why, but the rumors were kind of standard, like COVID, COVID, and more COVID. They just need more time, which is kind of weird because I think what, like Arkham Knight was 2015. Like they've had a long time to do a game. Like, I guess they just need more time to do a game. I don't know if that's concerning to you guys or not. I'd rather take more time than rush it out, honestly. Yeah, it leaves a big hole because, like, so the start of this year has been pretty busy and all of that stuff was games that got delayed into the start of this year. And now there's kind of, like, nothing almost with the release date. It wouldn't surprise me if something like Starfield, which does have one in November, slips and gets pushed back because that's the way everything goes. So, uh, like, we've had game, 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 and I haven't had time to play any of them, but now there's almost nothing. Unless you're desperate to play LEGO Star Wars again, there's not much coming up. Well, I guess that means we can all just get through our backlogs. There's also, I guess, if you're a DC Comics fan, um, Gotham Knights, which is the WB Montreal game with the Bat family, that's still presumably on track for 2022. There's rumors of a a Steam beta, so maybe you'll get a chance to play it even sooner than you think. Who knows? Um, But, like, we're over time, and I, I don't pay you guys for this, so, like, let's get out of here uh matt thank you for joining us thank you for t- like reviewing so many bloody games in the last little while how do we keep up with you how do we follow you what's what's your non-hacked social media a- a- accounts yeah i got real good hacked a couple of months ago uh it's fun to learn how many things are connected to facebook and how quickly they can all go away uh you can follow me on twitter that's probably the easiest one it's just at punk P-O-N-K, if you want to get updates on how my cat was sick and now she's better. That's 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 pretty much the the hot goss. That's good news. And if you go go to Survivor and check out reviews, including Final Chaos one, the Chaos one, and Ghostwire Tokyo, you'll have more. We'll have to double check that all your handles are up to date, but you can get more handles, social media handles from there. I'm babbling. Uh, Ben, you go... Thanks. Uh, ben underscore Salter Twitter. That's the only one that I have currently active. Uh, you can read my Kirby review. That's the thing of all I've done the whole year, that one review. Um, and a preview. And we get to, and a preview. That's right. Two things. Uh, we get to see each other IRL next week. So that's before our next episode. So that's exciting. I was going to suggest we do some sort of like episode, but no, we're not. We're, there's no time for this. No, we're not doing it. We can do it at your party. We do, the whole thing will be like a live stream. That's how we can come back to yeah. Twitch. Yeah. So, boy, <laughs> yeah. it's, your, it's your boy. It's t- no, that's we're right. not doing that. We're not doing that. No, um, we're not. I'm, that's Too right. Old. On things. It's you, whatever. Um, I wanted to finish off just uh, thanking Luke Glory, who was on last week's episode, last fortnight's episode. He is a legend in the Australian uh, games journalism scene. He's, he's just no longer... Working for Survivor in a freelance capacity, he got a gig at the Gamers Group uh, doing some tremendous stuff as the Australian editor, uh, I'm assuming with the focus on esports, which he is like absolutely suited to do. So uh, our loss is uh, Gamers Group's absolute gain. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best. We thank him for everything he's done. We can still get him on for a podcast or two, so that will be fun. Uh, and you can also still check him out on the GAP, the Game Arena podcast. I don't think they ever call it that, but that's what it stands for, uh, pro tip. Um, and also he's had some some bad news in his family, uh, and we wish him and his family nothing but the best, and they're in our thoughts uh, as things hopefully come out for the best. So uh, we love you, Luke. And... On that note, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again in a fortnight.